BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're talking short-term rental smackdown, negative Nellies, and donation dilemmas. That's right. Happy Friday to everyone out there. I feel like uh, folks are starting to get back into the swing of things. Kids are back in school. Fridays mean something now. Whereas like over the summer, Fridays, they don't mean anything. It's just, <laughs> it's just another day of the summer. <laughs> Is it called Friday? Can we call it that? Oh, you know, if you're speaking GIF. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is our Friday flights and we're going to cover the, the, the top stories, the ones that we think you need to be paying a little more attention to because they pertain to your personal finances. We're going to get to the ones you mentioned, Joel, plus a bunch of others today. Yeah, but good, um, good stuff for sure. Uh, you want to you know, talk about your watch? If listeners, if you, if you listen closely, if you listen a lot, you heard me mention that I kind of wanted to get one of the, the Garmin smartwatches largely it man it doesn't have a touch screen which i'm actually how, how thrilled about it? it's pretty smart it's, I'll, dude I'll, I'll say i dig the way that that looks because it's all black and yeah. i like the black on black on black like it's well you know like the, the actual typography or the typeface it's gr- like a dark gray yeah it looks it's got a good it reminds me of my bike which is <laughs> which is all it's like all blacked out yeah kind of got a minimalist vibe a, for sure it's a good look yeah so i, I like it it's it, and I got it used, I will say. I mentioned that I was looking for a discounted one, right, on Prime Day or something like that. And I didn't see anything pop up. That really made me want to pounce. And so I said, you know what? Why don't I why don't I look and see how much they go for used? And I looked on eBay, and I was like, I don't know. There's not enough of a discount to make me want to jump on it. 
But then, for some, I never really used this app, but I tried something called Mercari. Have you heard of that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's kind of like eBay, but... Fancy, for fancy people. I guess is what they're <laughs> saying. Yeah. But I got this watch for 70 bucks, dude. And um, How the, much is it normally? I think it's like a $200 watch. It's nice. the regular. And so the, there are two generations. I got the, I got the first generation because I don't really care i didn't see enough differences between the first and second so first gen. yeah so i got the first gen right on 70 bucks shipped to my door and it's been great man and so like what's what's smart about it sure okay. like because people hear smart watch it's not a touch screen so it doesn't it sounds kind of yeah. dumb yeah 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 exactly <laughs> a lot of so that's actually what i wanted because i didn't want like and i turned off all the notifications from my phone so people are like, well, then what does it really do well it's just tracking my health statistics right i didn't know it actually linked to your phone too yeah so okay. I've got an app on the phone that I can check and I can see like, it can tell me how I slept. It can tell me how many steps I've taken. It can tell me what my heart rate has been and high heart rate. And it can track all my different kind of workouts and As stuff like Joel that. Joel enters middle age, he wants right. to start tracking the metrics. Well, the cool thing mm-hmm. is, I will say part of what I like about it is it motivates me to do more on things that I want to be doing, but I kind of like to challenge myself. And so I'm, I, and, and having this app that's tracking all my stuff and it's kind of right, saying from a running standpoint. Yeah. From like a running okay. from like a, like how many active minutes are you spending each and every week? Nice. And this is tracking all that stuff. And it makes me want to like beat myself from the week before. You want to like increase your numbers. Yeah. Like I know, I know on the Apple watch, I don't have one, but like you, you close your circles, yes, right? Like yeah. in that, how, how that works. That's exactly, yeah. um, Emily's got one and that's how it works. Well, okay. So I love you. You bring this up. I think it's great. I totally did something similar. So I used eBay though, and I was kind of in the market for a, um, a blazer. I don't have like a blazer, uh-huh. like a, like a sports coat. And I found one that I liked and brand new dude, this thing was 390 bucks. Wow. I'm like, that's a lot of stinking money. And so here's, what's great though, about getting something that, you know, you either want or even need is that if you've got time on your side, you can take the time to shop around and in particular, see if you can get it used because so with that in mind, I'm like, I don't need blazer like now today next week but maybe like in a couple months and so i looked on ebay and there was the exact one that i was thinking about buying and it wasn't even used this is what's so killer too is that there's so many folks on there and they've got yes. nwt uh-huh. new with tags baby. Right. i love <laughs> i love seeing that because this massive discount is all i know That's that i'm a, getting it's screaming massive discount there's no yeah wear and tear on this thing they had it so three three nine this thing was listed for 125 and I also love... You can make an offer. Make an offer. Yes. And so I made an offer at 90 bucks and they, they accepted it. Boom. You know, like, because these folks, they, they've got these items, like, I guess if you do this... So that's like 80% more, off. More full time and you've got a bunch of inventory, you just want to unload it. Yeah. Who, I, and of course, I instantly regretted and I was like, oh, I should have offered even lower. But <laughs> they've also, they got the recommendation on there now too, where yeah. it's just like, It'll they're more likely accepted. to accept it if you make an offer around $93. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'll try 90. I, I did something similar. But I love it. So the ability to have time on your side, man, yeah, what, you said 80% discount, like a massive discount. Yeah. I saved 300 bucks on something that is like virtually brand new. Yeah, these are like good shopping tips, hopefully, yes. from both of us. But, well, but the, I think the other thing I just want to say- It applies to all sorts of things too, not sure. just like consumer goods, but it, like when it comes to housing, the ability to shop around and when you have time on your side, man, it's, you, you come out ahead. But it's helpful to know that there are multiple different sites. Like I didn't, I wasn't even really aware of Macari. I guess I knew it existed and I was like, well, I'll give, I'll check that out. And so, but, and I'm, I'm just, man, I really like the ways in which this watch is like influencing my behavior in a positive way. I'm not glued to the screen because it's not a touch screen. It's mm-hmm. not doing a whole lot besides telling me the time. It's super minimal. You but, Oh, it kind of reminds me of e-ink. That's why yeah. I like it because I love e-ink, like uh, Kindle, reading on yes. my Kindle. But the ability to have that on a watch, yeah, kind of got that vibe. Who knows, man? I might join you. Might join you soon enough. Yeah. So just letting people know, like there are always ways. Like, who you don't need the thing brand new necessarily, and you might not need the newest version. And the more you shop around, the more you might save. And if you don't need it, I like that tip, Matt. If you don't need it immediately. 
take some time, keep yeah. looking, and yeah, make an offer. Why not do all the above to save a little bit when you're buying something? All right. Let's get to our Friday flights, the different stories we came across. And uh, we're going to spend a minute here talking about Airbnb specifically because... Yeah, short-term rentals. <laughs> They're having a moment, and it's not a, a good moment <laughs> for, for them. Some of the biggest cities in the U.S. are trying to, to tamp, tamp down. They're trying to, to create more rules surrounding listings that appear on sites like Airbnb. Uh, Wired, they called New York's crackdown the end of Airbnb in New York. New York City, the Big Apple, they already had some restrictions on the books, but now they're actually going to enforce them. They're going to I guess I'm thinking of Asheville. The Asheville's had a, a more stringent uh, regulation surrounding mm-hmm. uh, the Airbnbs and how you, you have to be like registered with the city. But now the only way to run an Airbnb in the city uh, is if you are staying in the apartment with the folks who are renting it. And and that's for if it's a short-term rental for like less than 30 days or something yeah. like that. But given the fact that a lot of folks want an apartment to themselves, right? Like they don't want to... There's a lot of folks who aren't wanting to do the sleep on the couch thing or like it's a shared apartment, but you've got your own room. Kate and I, like when we were younger even and when we were traveling on shoestring budgets, that was never a consideration. I guess it's when you have a a partner, right? When you have a significant other, because if it was me solo, I totally share a room. But when you've got somebody else with you, you want your privacy, like you're talking about stuff. I think this is going to have a serious impact on Airbnbs in New York. Talking about stuff. Uh, So, (laughs) (laughs) no, we did, Emily and I actually did that in in, uh, Norway one time because the prices were so expensive, specifically in Bergen, Norway, where we, and we said, Oh my gosh! To stay in a house where somebody else, where there's somebody else there, is going to save us so much money. It's worth the trade-off for this one night in this one place, right? Yeah. But most of the time, no, we want our own place. Yeah. And Actually, I guess I take that back. I think about we uh, we rented a place when we went to Ireland like ten. Was it 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, it's like you the traditional that one, B&B. That one place? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then the people who run it are actually living They're there. We're like playing with her kid. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, it's, part of it depends on your mentality. It can be kind of quaint and nostalgic. It's or what it can you're be, there for. Or it can be yeah. creepy if it's like a really small New York City apartment. And like my mind immediately went to the creepy. That's you're literally like. <laughs> all brushing your teeth at the same time, yeah. which, which is weird. Um, but yeah, so yeah. They, but it's not just New York City, Matt. The, the short-term crackdown isn't just happening there. The LA Times wrote this week about Airbnbs being listed that haven't applied for an application with the city to list their property. So basically, they're in violation of of the lo- of local laws there. And so these laws in Los Angeles are, are pretty stringent for short-term rentals too. And a good number of folks are trying to they're basically trying to skirt the rules to keep their rental business afloat. They're they're not filing. Um, they're just going ahead and listing their Airbnb on the site because they got that illegal Airbnb going yeah, on. They don't want to jump through the hoops um, that it takes to get there and pay the city for the privilege of listing on the site. And so th- there are a few takeaways, I would say, from what's happening in this space right now. One, short-term rentals can be lucrative. There are some people who are like really making money substantially. like They're supporting their lifestyle based on short-term rentals. Two, that could change overnight thanks to new government restrictions. Mm-hmm. Makes me think I have a buddy who has a, an Airbnb in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and his does quite well. He thought about buying another one. But guess what? The city of Chattanooga said, we're putting a moratorium on any new short-term rentals for the time being. And your grandfather in if you have one. But if you're like trying to launch one, sorry, you're out of luck. It's You can't do it now. And so it, basically, I think if you live in a place where short-term rentals are allowed and you can make a sweet income stream, then it's great. It's, it can be a great way to get into real estate. But have a backup plan, right? Hope yep. for the best, yep. but at least have a plan in place for the worst potential outcome because we're seeing people going through the worst potential outcome in certain in certain places where you know the, the laws are being either finally enforced or 
being written to to curb the amount of short-term rentals that are available. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it pays to pay attention to some of the different industries that you're thinking about getting into where there's a lot of government involvement, where things could change either from a platform, right? For, like from a private company, like even Airbnb could say, I don't know why they would do this, but they could say, all right, no more new, new Airbnb. Like we're, we're just, we're kind of capped out. We're just mm-hmm. going to keep things where they are, whether it's being beholden to a specific platform. It's why we warn against that when it comes to even like with gig work. But then specifically with when it comes to different of the like different government agencies or just regulations that might come in, come into play, like it makes me think of the marijuana industry, right? Like weed. And if you're going all in on that, okay, like you might see some outsized returns, but you are also exposing yourself to outsized risk sure. because you, you just don't know where policy is going to go and what the rules are going to be. In that industry, you might find that banks don't want to do business yes, with you, right? but you never know. Growing operations, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the reasons for the Airbnb crackdowns, though, is uh, because of the price of housing, because of the increases that we've seen in rent. But the truth is, short-term rentals aren't the problem. That's just a a result of the market. They're easy to pick on. It's easy to make it feel Mm -hmm. like, these are the guys. If it wasn't for Airbnb, it's not Airbnb. It's the fact that, well, the market says that it's worth more if I can rent this out short term Mm -hmm. as opposed to a long term renter. Zoning laws, we think that that, they are more the culprit. Uh, When they don't allow for building more units, when they are preventing greater density, those are the real culprit, in our opinion. Uh, there was a great article in Insider about New Zealand's approach to zoning. They were basically facing a housing cost crisis, and they responded by relaxing medium density zoning restrictions, and which obviously made it much easier to build duplexes and triplexes on what were originally single-family lots. Yeah. And the result they're was not that, like putting up high rises in in single family neighborhoods. It's still reasonable. Yeah. We're not like throwing like getting rid of all the rules, but more supply came on the market because of this. Uh, because builders they were able to meet that need, that demand. More supply really does help the pricing problem, and the evidence points to the fact that rent and pricing growth slows down. So you know doesn't necessarily decrease, <laughs> but it doesn't continue to skyrocket when more units are being built, when there is more supply. And I guess theoretically it would decrease if enough units were built. Right? Yeah. There's, so, there's a chance it could yeah. reverse course. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And we're not necessarily Airbnb homers, although we think they're an interesting company that's really made hospitality across the United States. It's changed the face of it. But really, let's 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 find the right problem and pinpoint that and attack that. And zoning, not enough supply. Those are the real problems that have led to the housing, you know, housing cost increases that we've seen in all varieties. And so, yeah, but you, you still need to be aware if you're a wannabe re, uh, short-term real estate investor of kind of these new laws. It's in vogue right now to kind of tamp down on this stuff. But Matt, let's get to our next story. This one is about the negative Nellies out there. They're continuing to do their thing, as they always do. Negative Nellies like to be negative. And so uh, Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank fame, he was recently on a show and he started predicting, he's basically predicting chaos for the U.S. economy in the coming days, in in the coming months. He's particularly worried, he says, about small businesses and and he says that we have a, a crisis emerging because of Federal uh, Reserve interest rate hikes. And it be, I don't know, it just felt kind of like a chicken little sort of thing. The sky is falling, hearing this from him. But Matt, from everything you and I read and see, from almost every metric that we can track, inflation is coming down, unemployment is low, consumer spending is solid, and, and businesses have been able to raise prices when they need to because consumers still have money to spend. It, it seems like by every metric, the economy is doing quite well. And 
Like, could we enter a recession in the next 12 to 18 months? Sure. Yes, it's of course possible, especially since a recession happens on average every like five to six years in the United States. But I, I guess I'm just so tired of these guys getting the headlines that spook normal people, that cause people to be like, oh my gosh, is it really? Is it all is it all coming down? Like, is is it a house of cards, this U.S. economy or something like that? Should I should I move into cash or or better yet, Bitcoin? Because, man... Or, the, or gold. I feel like those are the yeah, kind of headlines gold, that, yeah. that push people towards uh, precious metals. Well, Bitcoin's the new digital gold, so that's where <laughs> people are going. But, like, it, I just get frustrated. I get annoyed when I see... Uh, People in positions like this, people like people, and I don't know who, but I think there's a lot of people out there who trust guys like Kevin O'Leary, and they believe that he is telling them the truth and, and what's in their best interest. I just don't know that's the case in this scenario. Well, yeah, and, and part of it might also be media as well, because I'm sure were you to actually talk to him, he would give maybe a slightly more nuanced uh, version of that headline, but media companies... That's not, that's not what he's known for, nuance, <laughs> by the way. So Well, he, he is looking out for smaller he's businesses. He's a straight talker, you know? Which I appreciate, but like, there's a lot of help that's certainly being being given to a lot of the giant businesses out there. And he's specifically talking about how it seems like smaller businesses might be the ones getting getting crushed here in the future. Yeah. But regardless, though, of who it is we're talking about or the advice that they're given, we think that the lesson here is to be careful who it is that you're listening to. Like, it makes me think of uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the uh, rich, rich dad, poor dad guy. He has some decent personal finance advice, but he is even worse than Kevin O'Leary. Like he is constantly calling for the end of the U.S. economy. Like multiple basically. times a year on Twitter, he he gives he sounds the death knell. Yes, and people are like, well, except right, in his case, here we go again. Like that's literally what he's saying, and that's what he's known for. As opposed, like I feel like maybe his. Yeah, the more rich dad poor dad uh, talks, the more I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm getting tired. I'm out, bro. Tired of your your message altogether. But bottom line, what I think the big thing that we, I kind of hate the, that we're talking about this because we don't want to bring any more light and attention to this. But it's also important to cover this because we want to dis um, disarm any of these headlines. We want to put you at ease because if specifically COVID, if the aftermath, if our economy's ability to rebound has proven anything, it's that our country is resilient as all get out. Bad things are certainly going to happen. Yes, we might see a recession. Who knows exactly when that's going to happen, but not everything is going to be perfectly peachy. But we're still living in one of the greatest countries at an incredible time in human history. Um, you can certainly read those stories as much as you want. Try not to let them sway how it is that you are handling and spending and investing your money, though. Yeah. And and you know what? Negative people are going to be negative. And there's a whole... It just... It, I think it sounds smarter for some reason to say things are going to hell in a handbasket or things are awful because it is, it's easier for humans to identify negative things in the world around us than it is to identify What's positives. I think that's a, a natural human bent, uh, tendency and bias, like to, to see the perceived threats around us and to be aware. Uh, and there are always perceived threats to the economy. But the, the truth is also that we, man, the economy's done really well, like you said, in the aftermath of COVID. Yeah. And so to, to, me, to, to me, it might be less about the negative versus the positive as opposed to the certainty because I, I think when folks come in and they, they they're saying like a certain by you know by this quarter or the certainty in which they proclaim things is I think what a lot of people latch on to because people don't like uncertainty yeah. I think more than anything else they can they can handle things going poorly or things going going well for them but it's the uncertainty that puts people in that weird state of limbo where they're not totally sure what to expect next yeah and I think the guy some of the guys like 
Kevin O'Leary and Robert Kiyosaki who who speak with a ton of boldness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like I know what's going to happen, and and here let me lay it out for you that and they say it with such confidence. I know. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I guess that's where the term con man comes there from. You right. Go. So uh, all right, let's move on though. Let's talk about healthcare. Maybe I'll be. I'm going to be a Debbie Downer here for a second. <laughs> but but with facts, not with bogus predictions. It's no secret that health insurance has become more expensive, and a couple of major benefits consulting firms say that prices are going to rise six and a half percent in 2024 in the healthcare sector, which obviously sucks, right? But it's a good thing to be aware of because it's important to know that more of your paycheck might soon be going towards increased health insurance premiums, increased health insurance costs, and if you have health insurance uh, through your employer, they might absorb some of that hit. But they also might not. And so, and even if they do, by the way, that can mean more meager salary increases because instead of giving you a 6% raise, it's a 4% raise because more of what would have gone to your paycheck is going to pay for those increased healthcare expenses that the employer is participating in with you. Yeah. Okay. So, a quick explainer as to why this is happening. Basically, it's like a delayed reaction of the inflation that we've seen over the past couple of years. I thought they did a good job explaining it in this article. And we'll link to this story like we do all the stories that we mentioned during the Friday flight, but they were essentially talking like insurers and hospitals, they've got contracts, but those contracts don't come up for renewal every single year. And so the higher costs that the hospitals incurred, like uh, staffing shortages, right? Mm -hmm. Like think about all the money that nurses were getting paid. Those contracts are coming up for renewal. And so those costs are basically being reflected in the contracts that the insurers are able to negotiate with the hospitals which are now beginning to renew and those costs are now then being passed along to, to consumers, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a, it's a domino effect, essentially. Delayed um, impact. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so it's something that I think we can expect to see across the board. But one of the things you can do is as we are getting closer to open enrollment, consider raising, uh, going with a plan that has a higher deductible. If you're younger, if you have a healthy family, if you rarely go and see the doctor, consider a high deductible healthcare plan, uh, one that also, by the way, gets you access to an HSA yeah. added ben- investing benefit there. Double whammy. You're self-insuring by not by paying fewer premiums every single month, but instead be disciplined, take that money, stick it in your own high yield savings account. That way you've got the money, money on hand to actually meet that deductible if and when you do need to visit the doctor. No, I think that's good advice. I think a lot of people, Matt, they just assume, well, I want the top tier coverage, but you might not you might not need the top tier coverage. You might be paying a whole lot extra for it. And so getting the higher deductible plan, really, you can still go see see the same doctors. It just means that you're self-insuring more. You got to have a little bit more money Mm -hmm. in the bank to cover some of those healthcare costs, the healthcare expenses that you're you're hoping don't come to pass. Totally. Yeah. And uh, you could also consider a health sharing plan. Uh, Like Joel, like both of our families are on a health sharing plan. Traditionally, they have like a religious component, uh, but there are multiple companies now that d- do not have a faith element at all. Like Sidera uh, is, is a newer one mm-hmm. that a lot of folks are checking out, but technically it is not actually insurance. It's not regulated. But if that's a way that you are interested in perhaps saving some money, we can, we'll can link to an article in the show notes about uh, MediShare specifically, and we can link to some of the other ones as well. But uh, Joel, we've got additional stories that we're going to get to, including whether or not we're on the path to becoming a cashless society. We'll get to that, plus others right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned 
And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. All right, in just a second, we're going to talk about digital payments. Matt, I can't wait to pay with the chip that's embedded in my wrist. Uh... I just. Yeah, that's a real thing, you know. I know. Have, I you, saw, seen, have you seen you that? Wave ad, it over uh, the payment. Yeah, it's yeah, freaky. Uh, what is it? World Market? No, I'm not World Market. What's it called? Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Um, what's what's World, World Market? Oh, like, that's like a furniture store. Yeah, yeah. Forget that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do that there. Uh, but first, we got to get to the ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from the New York Times, and it reads: A 700 million dollar bonanza for the winners of crypto's collapse, lawyers. 
Yes. <laughs> At least someone is getting rich off cr- cryptocurrency, I guess, Matt. That was my initial thought. My initial takeaway from reading that was like, yeah, most people got screwed, but I guess somebody is making out like a bandit. It, but the reality is while millions of Americans have lost hundreds or thousands of dollars in dribs and drabs by socking money into different cryptocurrency investments, the folks making the real money are the legal class. It's its lawyers, it's accountants and consultants. Those are the folks who have raked in massive amounts of money from firms like FTX, right? At the same time, though, the regular folks lost it all. And so some of these lawyers, Matt, they command thousands of dollars an hour in fees, which, you know, they probably went to prestigious schools. They've worked really hard to, to make a, a great income. I'm not hating on their ability to make money, but it kind of feels like a poke in the eye to normal folks who lost some of yeah. their savings, right? Thanks to SBF and his Ponzi scheme and and some of these other crypto firms that went bust where lawyers are coming in, they're 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 leeching, they're leeching off, they're taking so much of the money that uh, that would otherwise go to some of the folks who did lose a bunch of their savings. Yeah. And of course, the way that you could not be footing the bills for these expensive law firms is by having avoided uh, <laughs> cryptocurrencies altogether, but there's, there's there's one law firm there uh, that was working for Celsius, another failed one, where they billed $100,000 to come up with, like they were trying to d- determine whether or not they're going to bring up a case to potentially pursue a Celsius customer using creditor funds to go after that creditor, <laughs> basically. So they're using essentially her own money to decide whether or not they're going to uh-huh. sue her or not. And honestly, the, just crypto in general, it's a mess. But on that note, Bloom, Bloomberg had an article about the downfall of NFTs. Don't know if you remember those, Joel, non-fungible tokens. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the old uh, expensive JPEGs, right? <laughs> exactly. Not, well, it's, and it's not the JPEG that you own. What you own is the fact that you bought the JPEG. Yes. Basically, you own the receipt. It's the certificate of authenticity <laughs> that accompanies the JPEG that makes it worth $250,000. Uh, so... Everyone's heard of autopsies, right? And they exist for a reason, uh, and that's to figure out the cause of death. Well, (laughs) basically, that's where we are when it comes to NFTs. The hype of non-fungible tokens has faded, and so have any of the quote-unquote investments that folks have made within the space. That that, that, uh, FOMO was in full gear, and it turned out that January of 2022 was the top, of course. Uh, And so those who were speculating in the NFT space they got hosed. And that includes not just normal folks, but like billionaires out there as well who launched NFT platforms and projects, celebrities out there. It's not often um, that we see hype and we see the mania get to the degree that NFTs reached. But I think it's certainly, again, a good reminder that boring is better. Stick yeah. with tried and true investments and you can avoid getting burned altogether when it comes to your board ape plunging in value or if you even just hate the fact that more of your investment dollars the the lawsuit and the potential payout that you might receive as a customer of somebody like celsius or uh, ftx is going to pay the bills of expensive attorneys and typically we read about manias and bubbles in textbooks and so it's just really interesting to have kind of lived through one and to have seen the rise and the fall the the swell and then the bust of of that space and uh yeah it's it's funny because i haven't even really heard the term nft recently nobody cares nobody cares anymore and yet it was like the hot new thing on the block there for a minute and so people have to be careful there's we're going to see another one at some point a hot new thing on the block and yeah it'll just be something different yeah Yeah, it's it's not the fact that nfts are no longer no longer cool it's the fact that or that they carry any cachet or anything it's the fact that there will be something else that carries that same weight yes and 
just we're just preemptively putting that on your radar. Just store that one away because it should, that, it should cause your hackles to come up. You should raise your antennas, being like, "Wait a second, this feels like something in the past that I experienced, uh-huh. and I can't predict or tell you what it's going to be, but something else will come along that's similar, even though it's gonna it's gonna like look different in name and in style, but it's gonna have a lot of the same underlying elements. It might smell the same, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk about cash for a second, like uh, the actual physical cash that it turns out fewer folks are are even using. According to Pew Research, 40% of Americans actually didn't use any cash last year, which is a shockingly high number. It's it, man, it's more than I was expecting. To yeah. Say. Like literally half, almost half the country. Because uh. I, I used cash last year. I just did it really, really sparingly, right? Very infrequently. And digital digital wallets, Apple Pay, Google Pay, they've become more commonplace. And and apps like Venmo Cash App for, you know, splitting checks and stuff like that. And it used to be, I think, just the younger generation partaking in some of those things. But now it feels like, uh, you know, Gen X, baby boomers, oh, they've gotten all in on it too. Literally this past weekend, my mother-in-law was like, hey, help me out with Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally set her up on Venmo because she's, she's, she buys stuff used. That's how you do it. That's right. Off of like Facebook. And she's like, everyone's asking for Venmo. I got to get, I got to get on this. That's Venmo how people game. want to take payment. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, okay. And then actual retailers and restaurants, they've been moving in that direction as well. Taco Bell has said that they want to go completely cashless at all of their restaurants. And so it's interesting to see. And I think in, in, in many ways, the transition to digital makes a whole lot of sense, right? But um, I, I think also while I get businesses wanting to streamline things, not accepting physical U.S. dollars seems kind of silly too. Like you're, you're limiting your customers, especially a place like Taco Bell. Like I guess I'm old school and I just think people should still have the right, the ability <laughs> to use cash if that's their preference. I think they'll still have the ability, but just, okay, so like one of the biggest downsides I think to there being less cash or, or us even potentially moving in more in that direction is when it comes to teaching kids about money. Yeah. Because uh, we've talked about this, right? Maybe it's been a while actually. So maybe folks probably don't even remember or I don't know, maybe... Yeah, you forgot or something. <laughs> but like they, we, they hang on your every word. Man. We so I for a while there we went totally digital and we're paying our kids for the different jobs they're doing via a digital uh, digital app. Like even the interest they were earning by quote unquote investing it, I was I was paying it that way. But I don't think it was very successful. It kind of fell flat. This also makes me have you have you heard of uh, Singapore math? You've heard of it, right? It's it's no. like a it's a it's a curriculum. It's just a way of teaching math. Okay, but the core like the tenets of it are. When you are teaching kids math, like it, it can be a difficult theoretical thing to understand and grasp. And so what you do, you start with uh, concrete ways of teaching kids, so like literal blocks on their desk, and you count them and you subtract them and you add them together. You move from that to the uh, pictures. So basically a visual representation of that on paper. And then from there, you're able to move more to the abstract and kids are able to understand the concepts. Like and bu- building blocks. And to fully understand what it is that they're doing. Yeah, you take these baby steps and you incrementally have a better understanding of what it is. I, I do wonder if kids in particular are never taught about money in the tangible, like where they're actually holding it and that they hand it over when they pay for something that they're truly missing out potentially on what it is that money can actually do or the true value of money. And so hopefully there will always at least be a little bit of money on hand. At least for us to teach our kids. Yeah. And of course, that kind of comes comes down to us as, as parents well, as well. Well, some people want to use cash for privacy reasons, which I totally get to. Yep. So yep. it's like, totally get it. I don't want, what, not even just the government, but like Visa and MasterCard knowing everything I do. That's right. Okay. But so all signs do point, though, to, to the fact that we are moving towards like a cashless society, whether you like it or not. And so I think that it comes down to us, again, as individuals to then determine how best 
for instance, to monitor our spending, right? Because you may not like the fact that the rules of the game are changing, uh, but how can you ad- best adapt to those changing rules? And so before, when you're talking about physical cash, like you were like literally physically limited on how much you could spend because you ran out of cash. There's, I'm sure there's still folks who do the, the envelope system. But using technology to then place digital constraints on your spending, I think those are the next steps. And I think it would be prudent and wise to start finding ways to harness this technology to control and to govern yourself, right? To, to provide that discipline. And so I think what that means is at the very least, just monitoring your spending via a free app like Mint. We talk about that, that all the time, or even considering paying for a service like YNAB, where it's got a little, it's more sophisticated with the ability for you to plan out your, your spending and when it comes to budgeting. But don't totally stick your head in the sand and say, well, even though things are going more digital, I'm not necessarily going to change my ways when it comes to the like the best practices for me to be able to optimize my money. No, like just move along with it. I'm looking at your watch. It makes me think about your watch. Like maybe before somebody would have a running partner or like sign up for a race or something like that. But and those are great. Certainly accountability and it's fun to run a race or whatever. But like there's also other ways where you can take advantage of technology and charts and seeing your numbers, I think the ability to make the best of technology is is the, the best path forward, yeah. personally. Yeah, well, I think it's a good point, though, is, is using the best of technology, because there's sometimes technology... Not that, letting it use you. Yeah, it right? can trap us, right? And, and we can we can be the bill of goods that's being sold uh, as opposed to using technology in a way that, that helps us without allowing it to harm us. And so I think you're right, like digital minimalism, right? That concept of, of using enough technology to get things you need to get done or you want to get done done and then being able to put it aside and uh, and so I think something like YNAB is a perfect use case of like good technology that helps us at, or and something like this watch too where it's not distracting me but it's yep. giving me what I need love it uh, all right let's let's get to uh, talk about charity Matt for a second because speaking of like digital payments when we're when we're out shopping or something like that I, if you were to ask um, a poll our listener base I would imagine most people have gotten asked to donate money at some point uh, while they've been checking out right while they've been at the checkout you're, you're uh, not just talking about tip you're not talking no. about donating money to the person who just made your coffee no you're no which about. you should do you should tip the person right who's who's serving you but it, you're literally asked to donate to a to a nonprofit to a cause that the that the grocery store or retailer supports it feels like it's happening all the time now. And this new study finds that we're being asked to make charitable contributions at the point of purchase more than ever. So it's not just like in our minds, like it's really happening. And the thing is, people are participating. Shopper donations at checkout have gone up something like 24% since 2020. But people are apparently getting tired of being asked. I know I am. It's understandable, right? Not everyone feels like this, but I would say a decent chunk of folks feel kind of browbeaten into rounding up the purchase price or it's donating five or 10 bucks for that retailer's pet cause. My take, and not everyone has to agree with me, but my take is to always say no, not because you hate the cause or because you don't care about others or because you're not uh, planning to be generous. But I would say people should rather uh, proactively choose where they want their money to go instead of being guilt tripped into that donation in a spur of the moment transaction. It allows you to have more control over where your money goes. You can still be, you can be more generous even, in fact, uh, by saying no, and by, but by funneling your dollars into the nonprofits that you care about. Um, it's just it's just interesting to see that we're being like asked for donations more and more and more. And I think a lot of times people people just feel like, oh, I feel like it's the right thing to do, so I'm going to do it, yeah, even if like, your their heart's not in it. Let's say guilt tripped into doing it. Yeah. So I like what you're saying, but I would say the only like the only caveat is that I would say 
continue to give maybe because like maybe you you aren't giving at all and i would say use that desire to not necessarily give to these organizations that you're the most crazy about as fuel for the fire for you to find the charities that you do care about because i I think the temptation like the reason these prompts exist is because people don't give uh they like there's just a a lack of an ability for us to be proactive and to go out there i don't think it's because people don't give i think americans actually when you look at the numbers we're actually really generous more generous than most cultures i guess i'm thinking about the fact that i think there's a lot of folks who might hear what you're saying and take that as permission to be like yeah i'm not going to give anymore but then they don't go out there and actually do the research yeah and i that's not what i said i think I, oh, yeah. I know, no. I told, yeah, it's definitely not what you said. But I'm just pointing out the behavioral tendency to not necessarily want to give our money away because marketing works, right? Like that's why these these different efforts are out there is because if you're able to get in front of somebody and to remind them, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. But if you're relying on yourself to do it at a later time, you just have to make sure that you actually do right. that, you know? And I think I, I just think that when you're asked to donate five bucks at checkout, the lazy person's way out is to be like, okay, and then wait, look, I've done my good thing. Sure. And, yeah. and but the truth is you don't know. I'm, and I'm not even saying that the money that they're asking asking for isn't going to those nonprofits. It is. Like everything sure. I can I've read, it sounds like the money is going to those nonprofits that they say it's going to. Um, so it's not like I'm even worried about fraud or anything like that. It's just that, man, what nonprofit it do may you not, want to see succeed? Exactly. It may not be your first choice. Yeah. yeah. And even still, is that nonprofit that you're giving money to, how well are they using the funds? Those are things you can look up and see uh, so that you can proactively funnel money towards nonprofits you care about that are being really effective. Exactly. And, and we truly do feel that it's important to give your money. And so we want people to be proactive and to take these steps to, to do this. It's just that I get the argument of marketers because they're like, well, nobody wants to, who truly wants to give their money away? We recommend for you to do this, for folks out there to do this all the time. And specifically, you can research some of the different organizations at a site like give.org or Charity Navigator. They both do a great job at giving you just a peek behind the curtain. But do some research and then send a a one-time gift or just make a recurring monthly donation as opposed to again, feeling kind of guilt tripped into being like, all right, I'll go ahead and do the five bucks. Uh, you could even uh, start a donor advised fund to invest money for future giving purposes too. If you're, if you're not quite sure where it is that you want to funnel those giving dollars now. But uh, again, it comes down to whether or not you're actually going to, going to do that thing. But hopefully you are hearing us talk about this. This is the, the kind of the kick in the pants to, for you to say, all right, let me actually do that. How much am I actually giving away of my money? Because it feels like I'm, get, I'm giving away a bunch because I'm prompted often. But as a percentage of your income, maybe it's like, I don't know, like 0.05% yeah. <laughs> of, of your actual income. And you, you're probably thinking, but that feels more like 5% of my actual income. It, but it's because it's not something that you're proactively looking at. And yeah. we want folks to be more engaged with the money that they're giving away. Yeah, we'd rather see you be feel connected to the giving that you're doing you, as it's, opposed it's a connection. to some sort of yep. disconnected in the moment guilt trip. Like that's not a, that doesn't make you feel good about the giving that you're doing either, right? It, it's kind of crummy. It's not ideal. So instead, if you're the one who's practically looking for it and saying, you know what I care about? I care about the the local shelter that's rescuing animals in my area. Like that's something I can feel connected to. And proactively giving your money in that direction, go for it. That's great. Love it. Um, but just because somebody's raising money and they put it in front of your face, it doesn't mean that's the thing you should give money to. That, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, is that gonna be it? That's it. All right. That's it for our Friday flight. You can find resources, some of the different things we mentioned during this episode, up in our show notes, up on the website at howtomoney.com. And we hope everyone out there has a beautiful weekend. So, buddy, that's going to be it. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com.